0: Hi, my name is Joe, and I want to tell you about my podcast that I host called Still Unknown, an unsolved true crime podcast. Every other Monday, I talk about a different unsolved murder, disappearance, or unexplained death, in hopes that telling these stories will someday bring out the answers that these cases are desperately seeking. You can listen to Still Unknown wherever you are listening to this podcast here. And who knows, you may even be able to reveal the final pieces to help solve a case. So subscribe now to Still Unknown to hear a new case every other Monday. And let's try to solve some mysteries together.
1: My name is Miles.
0: What's up, guys? It's Sean. Hope you all are hanging in there.
1: We are so excited that you guys are here this week. If you are new, Forensic Miles is an unofficial companion podcast to the cult favorite show, Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Today, we are covering the Forensic Files episode, Fired Up. And I am actually kind of fired up about this episode because It is a little bit different than the previous episodes that we've let out in the way that I covered it. So, um, I want to be clear that the first part of this episode is what is told in the episode of Forensic Files. This is the story that they give. This is um, the story that we've all seen multiple times before. And then, the second part of this episode, I'm going to kind of go into some of the other thoughts and evidence about this case. So are you ready?
0: I think I'm ready for it. Great. I guess I'm pretty fired up for it. (laughs) Great.
1: Uh, Just another reminder, we do have our co-hosts Nola and Mo here today. So if you hear their contributions, um, we hope that you like it. (laughs) Okay, let's get into it. Derek and Roxanne Duran were married in 1987, and soon after their marriage, they brought a property in Gales Creek, Oregon, which is relatively close to Portland, but it's secluded enough that they were able to live in the woods, pretty far away from all of their neighbors. So it was a really kind of quiet, relaxing, secluded lifestyle.
0: Sounds pretty nice.
1: Yeah, but they were around 45 minutes away from Portland, so if they wanted to go to a city, they had full capability of doing so. The property was big enough that they were able to have a horse farm, which is something that Roxanne had always wanted. Horses were her favorite, they brought her so much joy, and she was so excited when they were able to, you know, have horses on this property. After living on the property for a few years, they decided to build um, an extension to the house. So it was 1,500 square feet addition. So it's a pretty big addition to the home.
0: It was attached to the house or it was like a garage?
1: It was attached to the house. It was like another part of the house. Um, I have a, a photo up on Instagram and I'll put that on our blog too so you can see the home. Everything was basically a dream come true for Roxanne. A beautiful home with her husband and horses. However, the dream would soon come to an end. On Sunday, February 5th, 1996, neighbors saw smoke coming up through the trees. So like I said before, their property was nowhere near any other homes. Um, The closest quote unquote neighbor lived a quarter mile away. So they weren't really able to see what was on fire, but they knew that there was something on fire. So 911 is called and the fire department is dispatched. So it's the volunteer fire department. It takes them about 20 minutes to arrive on the scene. And by the time they get there, they know that the fire has been going for quite a while. There are flames everywhere coming out of the doors, out of the windows. It was like completely ablaze. Soon after the police department arrives, Derek arrives back from grocery shopping to find his house almost completely destroyed. And that's... I can't even
0: imagine that.
1: I know. I know. It's absolutely horrible. Um, But it gets worse. Because as he arrives... That's when he notices Roxanne's car and he immediately knows that Roxanne is in that home. So he runs up towards the house and the fire and he's screaming that Roxanne is inside the house. Roxanne is inside the house. He tries, you know, he does what he can, but there's nothing he can do. At this point, the fire has taken over the house. And if somebody was in there, they weren't, you know, they weren't going to be alive at that point. It took the fire department about three hours to get the fire completely out, which is a really long time. Once they're able to start investigating the scene a bit more, they find that Roxanne is laying in the ash with a gun next to her.
0: Uh Oh, did they own a gun?
1: They did. So she is her body is found on the second floor in this little hallway between two rooms. Her body was burned. Like, completely. There was hardly anything left of her, and her remains weighed about 35 pounds. With this lack of a body, the medical examiner isn't able to, you know, distinguish how she, was, how she died, what happened to her. But he was able to extract bone marrow and confirmed that it was, in fact, Roxanne through DNA testing. At the time of her death, she was only 35 years old. Even though they weren't able to find the manner of death, they were able to find a couple interesting things. First of all, Roxanne had no ash or soot in her lungs. And there was a normal level of carbon monoxide in her blood. So it wasn't, it wouldn't have been the cause of her death. Meaning that she was dead before the fire started.
0: Hmm. So the fire was probably used to cover up.
1: That's what they're thinking. There was blood in her airway, which is another insinuation that the her cause of death was not natural. So they assumed that she had some sort of um, injury on her face that caused her to inhale her blood uh, before she died. So they're thinking some sort of a violent homicide. In the forensic files episode, Roxanne's sister Barbara Cannon said that the family was obviously sad and scared from the death, and that their experience turned from a bad dream into a nightmare following this investigation. Fire investigators wanted to know what caused the fire. They'd already done an initial sweep, and they didn't find any indication that it had been arson. So they decided to ask Derek if he knew any reason of why a fire would have started. And surprisingly, he said he did. Derek said that because of the frozen pipes, he had decided to leave the clothes dryer on and try and warm up the home. He then left the house to head to the grocery store. It turns out that the dryer actually used propane gas, which is highly flammable. I looked it up, and in a statistic I found from the National Fire Protection Association, they said between 2012 and 2016, propane caused an average of 2,900 house fires, an average of 25 annual deaths, and 155 injuries annually. So it's not unheard of, but it's definitely not common. Right. Right. When you're like looking at all the other reasons for a fire, this is not one of the ones that would be high on the list. Investigators found another possible cause of the fire, and it was actually Roxanne's car, which had been in the garage. Now, I know you're thinking, because I was thinking this, how in the world would Derek have been able to see, see the car when he's just pulling up? And the reality of the situation is, is that the entire garage was gone. So there was no garage. There was just remnants of the car. They found that the car's battery cable was not connected. As the home was in the process of being added to, most of it was just framework. So when this fire started, it was really easy for the fire to spread. It was basically just exposed wood at that Mm -hmm. point. They decided that the car theory was probably unlikely, so they really turned their focus onto the dryer. Police, of course, asked Derek for his alibi to prove that he had actually gone to the store that morning. And Derek immediately turned over his receipts from the grocery store, which actually happens to be a Safeway. And I miss Safeway because I don't get to shop at Safeway anymore because I only get to shop at Kroger, which isn't bad. But good. I do miss Safeway. <laughs> Even though he had an alibi, police weren't 100% sure that they were ready to move on from him as a suspect. And here's the reason Derek had three huge scratch marks across his face. Like huge. And I'll post a picture of this on Instagram. I just realized I haven't done that yet, but I will definitely add that so that you can see it. And they are three relatively large scratch marks kind of um by his eye. Hmm. When asked where he had gotten them from, Derek had an explanation. He said that he had gotten them while he was clearing some branches that had fallen during a storm. Sure yeah that's a totally believable thing. Three scratches that were in three lines seems seemed like, to line up.
0: seems like a lot of this stuff is just like lining up for him.
1: yeah. so as they looked a little bit more at the remains of the utility slash, slash laundry room, they found something that they weren't expecting. The dryer wasn't connected to like a hose of the dryer had been un, It was not connected. So the dryer wouldn't have even worked at that point. So there's no way that he would have been able to turn it on because it was not connected. It was like this. um, It's called, it's like a fuel pipe or something. I'm not really sure what it's called. Anyway, it was confirmed by the investigators that the firefighters were not the ones responsible for the unplug and that it had absolutely 100% been unplugged before the fire started. They also found a very strange pile of material, sort of like pellets, and they really had no idea what it was. After about three days of pondering what in the world the material could possibly be, they finally figured it out. At home, one of the investigators had to change his kitty litter, and that's when he recognized it. The mysterious material was kitty litter. But why was it there? Was it even part of the crime? Or had it just been, you know, laying around the laundry room? The Durans had cats, so it wasn't unreasonable for them to have kitty litter in their home. But their kitty litter wasn't located in the laundry room. It was elsewhere in the house. So it was maybe a little bit strange that it was in that particular room. Although, I don't have cats. But I would think that a utility laundry room might be an acceptable place for kitty litter, even if you're just storing it. Anyway, the investigator decided to go and buy some kitty litter and brought it back with him to work because he still didn't know, you know, what significance this kitty litter had. And that's when a fellow detective asked him if he was planning on lighting a fire. Huh. And he was like, what the heck? Like, why would you ask me that? Yeah. Turns out that soaking kitty litter in gasoline is a great way to start fire, and so their mystery was kind of solved, except that it really wasn't, since when they did their initial sweep, there had been no signs of arson in the home, not even on the kitty litter. So they had like arson dogs go in there and sniff it out, and there was no evidence of any gasoline or anything in the home. But they knew that the kitty litter was evidence that there was a possibility the fire had been deliberately lit. And so they were determined that, that it was arson. They also knew that Derek had been a Boy Scout. In fact, there's an article written about him with the title Eagle Badge Marks 10 Years as a Scout. And interestingly, this technique of starting fires is taught through the Boy Scouts.
0: Yeah. Or at the time it was. Especially if he's like an Eagle Scout.
1: Yeah. So at this point, they basically are determining that it was foul play. And if Roxanne had actually killed herself, she would have had to light the fire before she died, which didn't happen because she didn't have any CO2 or any evidence of soot in her lungs. Also, there is the blood that was found in her throat, meaning that she would have had to have some sort of violent face injury. Um, where she would have been inhaling her own blood. After finding all this evidence, and even though he had an alibi, investigators felt sure that Derek had more to do with the fire than he let on. So they started to look into a motive. According to forensic files, Roxanne was spending a lot of money on her horses, on the house, on lessons. And they discovered that Derek's job was actually going to be transferred 100 miles away. Barbara, Roxanne's sister, believes that Roxanne refused to move from her dream home and told Derek that he should just rent an apartment where this new job is going to be and he can travel back and forth on the weekends so that she can continue living in this home. An idea that, according to Barbara, Derek would have absolutely not liked at all. Supposedly, he had high standards of what a marriage should be and he thought that it should be perfect. And for her to be kind of wanting this thing that didn't involve him would absolutely not have been okay. Now I'm going to remind you, this is what was said by Barbara in and the other investigators in Forensic Files, in the episode of Forensic Files, not during the trial. And there's actually zero evidence that she ever was doing any of these things, spending the money or saying that she didn't want to move with him, any of this stuff. There's no evidence of that. At this point, Derek is still denying any involvement in the fire, but police decide to test the jeans that he had been wearing the day of the fire because they actually noticed that there was a kind of a weird stain on the jeans. When asked if the stain was blood, Derek said, no, it's mud. And I'm sure you already know what's coming, but the blood spot was tested and it turned out to be Roxanne's blood. Derek was charged with arson and murder. And according to Forensic Files, he didn't believe that he was going to be sent to jail. He saw the trial as a chess match and was sending emails to friends stating that, you know, he thought it was a chess match. He thought he was going to win. And he was insinuating that he was smarter than the prosecution and the criminal justice system and that there would be no way he would be um, convicted and it would end in an acquittal.
0: He's a pretty confident guy. He is. If nothing else.
1: During the trial, yeah, prosecutors said that they believe that Derek and Roxanne got into an argument that turned into a fight. As she tried to defend herself, Roxanne scratched his face and he ended up killing her. He then decided to burn down the house, and he burned down the house by turning off the propane tank outside. He took off this, the pipe that can, the fuel pipe that went to the dryer he left the kitty litter kind of by the pipe and then he went back outside turned the gas pipe on which immediately ignited a fire after setting the fire they believed that he headed to the grocery store to establish his alibi nevertheless derek was only convicted of arson and manslaughter not murder the jury didn't feel that that the prosecution had proved without a reasonable doubt that he was guilty of murder he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Okay.
0: Seems a little light.
1: Okay. Well, that is what we're about to get to because everything that I've said so far, like I said at the beginning of the episode, is from the Forensic Files episode. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot and I'm going to start to give some other evidence. Now, the next part of my notes I want to be perfectly clear are from a website called www.durhammurdertrial.com. And I found out, I believe, that Derek is associated with this website um, somehow. I think at the very least, he approves of everything that is on that site. So take this next sort of evidence with a grain of salt and you kind of come up with your own you know, thoughts yes. on whether or not you think that he's actually guilty of this. I will note that this website does say splatter. <laughs> so if that says anything to you, being a true crime junkie, you know, just, just keep that in the back of your mind. Basically, w- this website calls out forensic files directly. And Derek calls out Forensic Files this specific episode a lot, saying that they don't cover all the evidence. And in truth, we know that that's the case in most episodes. It's a 20-minute episode. They're not able to cover everything. And we've found that to be clear in a lot of the cases that we've covered. So this particular website is built specifically to cover this murder case. And they have 13 things that they say were called into question by the jury during the trial. And they say that these are facts and are proof, unlike what is posted in forensic files. So this is what the website is saying, not what I'm saying. So I'm going to go over those 13 things really quick right now. So number one are the scratches on Derek's face. The state obviously claimed that the three scratches were from a fight that Derek had had with Roxanne. Roxanne was defending herself and scratched him. However, Derek claimed that on top of being scratched by branches, Roxanne actually had scratched him with a rake. He said that she and him were breaking up a fight between their large Rottweiler dogs who had been fighting on the morning of the fire and she had accidentally hit him in the face with a rake. Now, this sounds kind of outrageous. But if you look at the marks on his face, they are three marks going side by side that you know it it would have had to be fingers or it would have had to be a rake. You know, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. At least like some they all had to be the same thing. Exactly. Like a pattern.
1: Right. Um and there actually are witnesses. There are four witnesses who claim that they'd seen these dogs fighting before, that they had been violent and that they, you know, had been having to pull them apart before. So this was not that out of the question. It is weird that he didn't say in the beginning, but we'll get to that later. Number two is the blood stain. The blood stain was proven to be a transfer, not a spatter, not a drip, meaning that it most likely would not have come from a brutal, bloody fight. That's just not how blood falls in a brutal, bloody fight. Right. They also found that there were there was no blood Anywhere else on Derek, other than this one blood transfer smear, whatever you want to call it, on his pants. There was also no indication that the blood was fresh, and there's no way to know how long the blood stain had actually been on there. And then there's this interesting thing that Derek and um, Roxanne were roughly the same size, and they often shared pants. And there was DNA evidence on this pair of jeans that both Derek and Roxanne had actually worn the pants since the last time they had been washed. And
0: seems a little strange to me.
1: Well, you know, to each their own, I would not wear your pants. (laughs) (laughs) So the defense has a theory as to why this blood would have gotten on the jeans. And they say that it could have happened while Roxanne was horseback riding and she got her nose or cut herself and wiped the blood on her pants. And I don't think this is unheard of either. I don't ride horses, so I don't really know anything about riding horses, whether you get cut or whatever. But it was clear that she had worn the pants before. So it is quite a high possibility that she could have been cut and wiped it on her pants. I mean, they lived on a farm. They they had animals. They took care of animals. Like, this is, you know, there are higher higher possibilities of getting cut that way than, I don't know being in a library? I don't know. Anyway, number three, lies. The prosecution said that Derek had elaborately lied about where he had gotten the scratches on his face. But now I'm not saying I believe, you know, whatever. We have no idea how we would react as a murder suspect. And there is evidence that he was just nervous and wasn't being 100% truthful so that he wouldn't get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I, it's tough to say what you would do
0: in that position with never having been in that position.
1: Think about like the last time you got in an argument and you're getting in an argument about something and the person says, well, I know you did that. And you say, oh, I didn't do that. But you know, for a fact that you did do that. You know what I mean? I guess this works both ways here. <laughs> anyway, according to Derek himself, he wasn't actually lying. He was just not being 100% truthful because he said that he actually was scratched by the branches, but it was after the initial um, scratches that he had received from the rake from Roxanne. Okay, moving on to number four, which is his demeanor. The prosecution claimed that he was acting suspiciously when he arrived at the scene, but As I've said before, there is literally no way to know how you will react when you're in a situation like this. His entire house was on fire. They built this house. His wife was in the home and he knew that she was dying and there was nothing he could do about it. He just had to stand there and watch his house burn down. So I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, that one's kind of tough.
1: Yeah. Uh, Number five, the autopsy results. The state determined that Roxanne had died from undetermined homicidal violence. The original t- tests of CO2 came back with a 3% non-fatal level in her system. But supposedly, there was another test that had been taken that said Roxanne actually had a 37% CO2 level, which is potentially fatal, and the autopsy technician or doctor or whatever disregarded these results and you know basically just said that there was no CO two,
0: hmm.
1: um and they also mention in on the website that there's no way for blood to have less CO two. Like if it has CO two, it has CO two. So like, even if they waited a while, it would have still had this 37 percent CO two. So it was like this first test was just done wrong or something.
0: We just got tunnel vision.
1: Yeah. Um. So what they're saying is, what the defense is now saying is that it basically means that Roxanne actually was alive during the fire. The defense believed that the blood in her throat was from breathing in, you know, the soot or the heat from the fire. Um, However, there is actually no evidence that this blood in her throat ever existed. There are no photos, no swabs, nothing ever collected from this specific, quote unquote, injury in her throat. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Number six, the strangulation theory. This is a theory put forth by the prosecution, even though there was absolutely no evidence of this happening at all. I mean, remember, her body is, I mean, there's hardly anything left of her. Yeah. But they did have evidence that there was no broken bones in her throat. But with this theory, the prosecution did a demonstration of strangulation in front of the jury. So the jury was told to disregard this happening. But it's kind of hard to forget something like that. I mean, don't think about an elephant. What are you thinking about? Elephant. Exactly. The comment was made during closing arguments. So that meant that the defense wasn't even able to have a rebuttal against it. Number seven, fire theories. Okay, so this one gets a bit confusing and I'm not a scientist and so a lot of this went over my head, but if you are interested in this case, I would highly recommend looking at this because you probably will understand it a lot more than I will. Anyway, the prosecution said that the fire either started in the utility room with the clothes dryer, with Jer- uh, with Derek removing the gas line and deliberately starting the fire, their evidence is that the utility room was the most damaged as well as these metal drips that was found on the gas line and the gas line had been oxidized in a way that it would have had to come from a fire. So basically what they're saying is that something dripped onto this gas line and it would it would have only been able to fall on the gas line after the fire had started because it was like metal drips. So the metal would have only been able to drip on this gas line if the gas line was unscrewed while the fire was happening. Does that make sense?
0: Mm, Not really.
1: It's confusing. But there are these little drops, and they fall on it, and it can only happen if the fire is already going when the thing is off. Anyway, the defense basically says that this is absolutely not true and that the fire actually started from the car. They said that it was an accident in the garage, an electrical anomaly. They said that the state had failed in their testing and integrity, and they were convinced that the fire started in the garage. So they do have a lot of evidence for this, they say, because of um, the way that the walls fell would have meant that it had to have started in the garage versus starting in utility room Hmm. but then you have to think what does electrical anomaly even mean and how would it have happened if nobody was even touching the car right so i don't don't think that happens i don't know i'm not sure i'm really not sure um but that whole section kind of confuses me (laughs) anyway moving on to number eight timeline and alibi The prosecution states that although Derek has a partial alibi, that he would have had time to get into an argument, kill his wife, clean up, come up with a nifty way to start the fire, and get to the grocery store to establish an alibi. All within an hour.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Did anybody, like, I guess they don't have close neighbors that they would have, like, seen him, like, driving away?
1: No, but I'm pretty sure that there was a phone call. Somebody was on the phone with him during this time, so confirmed that he was not arguing, but maybe it could have been after he killed her.
0: No. Did he call the person or?
1: I'm not really sure about that. Mm -hmm. But one really interesting thing to think of is why would he do all of this? He and Roxanne built that house. Everything that they owned was in that house. And this is an interesting thing is that he did, I mean, a motive was not a life insurance policy or a fire policy. That was not a motive in this case. His house was nowhere near any other homes, and his wife wasn't due back to work for three days. Starting the fire actually attracted more people to his home than if he had just killed his wife and left her there. If he had done that, he would have probably been able to go into hiding before anybody even knew that the body was there. Mm. I don't know. That, that's just my thought. Uh, Number nine, course and grooming equipment. This isn't mentioned at all in the Forensic Files episode, but it basically the prosecution said that Derek had planted some of Roxanne's equipment to make it look like she had run off in a rush. I don't really know why they wanted to make it seem like she had run off in a rush. That doesn't make much sense to me, but that's what they said. The defense says that she actually ran off in a rush and that she had been in the barn taking care of her horses when she saw the fire. She then proceeded to run into the house and try and save her cats and then ultimately met her death. And now there's this question that is brought up in a couple different places about why she would run back in to save the cats. Now I'm gonna be completely honest. I have dogs and I would do anything in my power to save my dogs. I would run into a burning building to save my dogs. Like that's not even a question. So for people to ask why she would go back into that building or into the house as a fellow animal lover, which she was an absolute animal lover. I completely understand that. Definitely. Like no questions there from me. Okay. Moving on to number 10, which kind of has to do with number nine the scream. Supposedly, one of the neighbors heard a scream. The prosecution said that over the phone to the police department, she said that she wasn't sure it was a scream, but she heard something. She testified at the trial and said that it was at the same time as she saw the smoke and that if her house was on fire, the sound that she heard would have been the sound that was coming out of her own mouth. So basically saying that she did hear a scream. All this to say that the defense believes that Roxanne was alive and screamed as she ran to the house to try and save her cats. Number 11, the location of the remains. The prosecution didn't have any, anything to say about the location of the remains. But the defense claims that the location of the rain, remains is kind of important. They were in the hallway on the second floor in between two bedrooms. They believe that she was looking for her cats, and while looking for them, she collapsed from smoke inhalation. They said that it doesn't make sense for the fire to have been set so far away from the body if the fire was set to cover up the remains. That's a good point. So, I believe the utility room was on the bottom floor of the house. Her body is on the second floor. So, that just doesn't make much sense at all. Number twelve. And this one is really important. It's the lack of a motive. This is something that the investigators actually admit to in the Forensic Files episode. They say they could never really find a strong motive as to why Derek would do this. But they have a suspicion, of course, that they speculate that, you know, this whole perfect marriage thing, the control thing. um, But supposedly in the trial, the state didn't imply to a motive at all. They didn't bring a motive into it at all. They didn't have any reason why. He should, he would have done this. There are also no witnesses that they, that say that they have ever witnessed any violence in the marriage at all. The last people who saw the couple said that they seemed to be in a healthy relationship. And, you know, I'll just say here that that might be true. But, you know, we all know that sometimes we don't see what a true, real, true relationship is like. Just because Roxanne never told anyone or no one ever saw any evidence doesn't mean that there wasn't any violence in the home. So I think that's something important to say. Um, But of course, they might also have had a happy relationship without any issues at all.
0: Right.
1: Number 13, Derek's character. The prosecution didn't bring any evidence forward for this, um, for any negativity in the relationship. The The defense brought forward evidence of his love for Roxanne both physically and otherwise. They said that because he worked with the Boy Scouts and other volunteering opportunities, that he was, quote-unquote, patient, loving, generous, forgiving, civic-minded, and peaceful. Which isn't always the case. However, you'll see later that, you know, this is maintained throughout his whole life. Derek was released on November 30th, 2006. After spending 10 years in prison, he completed his full sentence um supposedly he maintained a spotless record for good behavior derek has been married to a second wife janine since 2010 and he describes her as his quote-unquote soulmate they live on a seven acre rural property where the rest where they rescue horses dogs cats and they have a macaw i guess um janine describes him as the most gentle thoughtful and loving man she has ever known on his personal website, which is not the same website as the um, the murder website, he has a full timeline of his life. Um, it's like a photo timeline of his life, including photos with Roxanne, which um, I think is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, if he was guilty, would he be promoting this on his professional website? This, this website is for his, like, do- I mean, he's retired now, but like, it's for his job.
0: So did he keep his job like the previous one?
1: Um, I don't think he had the same job as his previous one. But he did end up getting his MBA and um, has been employed ever since being released from pri- or prison. He was never not employed.
0: Huh. Um, He's make good money.
1: I have no idea. <laughs> but this is when I found the jackpot of sorts on this strange blog thing called ignboards.com which i have absolutely no clue what that is but as of 8 months ago derek who i have to assume is derek because the username is derek duran and it links up with his youtube channel was responding to questions and i'll give you a little forewarning this board is nasty towards derek and i want to say that i don't agree with that behavior at all and i Do not want any of you guys kind of messing with this guy. So, you know, before I say anything else, please do not harass this man. He's done his time and he is now living his new life. He is responding to questions, I guess. So if you have a genuine question, I mean, I don't know. Just don't harass him in the ways that he has been harassed online. But I will say to all of these nasty comments, he is responding genuinely, professionally, and there seems to be no negativity from him to anybody else in any of the comments that I've read. And he's responded to quite a few comments. Um, I am going to read some of them to you now. Um, so he responds to a couple about how... You know, he didn't do his full 10 years, which we know is true. And he responds cordially that he did and that he is now moving on and his friends have stuck with him and believed him through everything because they know he is a good person. Derek mentions that Barbara, um, Roxanne's sister, only had good and loving things to say about him to the police during the original investigation. And she didn't say those negative things until she was on Forensic Files, and he believes that she had been brainwashed by the detectives. And I'll say something here, um, Sean. I don't know if you saw this episode, but I've been seeing the innocent, or I've been watching the Innocence Files on Netflix, which is a really great show. Um, but there's one episode where they're talking about fires, and the investigator basically says, "Police." Always want to believe that somebody set a fire. They never want to believe that it just happened. So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. This is straight from, you know, people that work with people that are on the Innocence Project. So I think that's something that, you know, interesting to just think about. Um, Derek mentions that his current wife, Janine, describes him as the gentlest man she's known and that Roxanne would have never stayed in a relationship with a quote-unquote violent control freak, just as his current wife wouldn't stay with him if he was a quote-unquote violent control wife. She's a very successful woman, um, Janine is, and he talks about that all the time. Um, Someone asks... If he could explain the blood spatter on the pants and he responds saying that he had no idea where the blood quote unquote transfer had come from, but he assumed it had happened when she was riding her horse and come from a nosebleed, especially since there's evidence that she had been wearing the jeans before. So that's stuff that we'd gone over before. Um, The person also asks about the gun, and Derek responds that they stored their guns in a closet close to where Roxanne's body was found, and that there was no evidence that she had actually even died from a gunshot. So, considering that the whole... um,
0: They never found, like, a bullet or anything?
1: Nope. mm -mm, They just found the gun, Hmm. which was supposedly stored close to where she had died. Um, So, this... I later found that this board is associated with the episode of Forensic Files on YouTube. So it was like somebody had seen that Derek was responding to comments on YouTube and then created this board about how he was responding to comments on YouTube. Not in a nice way, kind of making fun of him. Um so I went on there and I started to look at the comments there. And there are hundreds of comments, but he does answer some burning questions that I had, so I'm going to answer those now. So one somebody asks and this is a direct quote um from the YouTube comments. I've read all your comments and there are two things that don't match up with you claiming you are innocent. I'm not here to judge you, just curious. How is it that Roxanne was not able to leave the house? Doesn't make any sense. If she if she is alive at the time that she that the property caught on fire she would have realized that there was a fire and then vacated the property just doesn't make any sense that she stayed in the house also how did her blood end up on your pants um you were apparently gone okay so we've answered that question like three times now but i'm just gonna read Derek's actual response My investigators uh, surmised that she died trying to rescue our two cats. She was a huge animal lover. There is evidence that she was tending to our horses when the fire started and entered the non-burning end of the 4,000-square-foot house to rescue the cats. Our two dogs made it out, but both cats died. As for the blood smear on my pant leg, DNA testing found that our DNA on the inner thighs of the pants. She often wore my jeans when doing grubby stuff. We think she may have been wearing them while riding, got a bloody nose or cut or something, and wiped her bloody fingers on the lower pant leg. And then he um, sends this guy to the duranmurdertrial.com, which is where I got all my other information, which is why I think that that is his website. Or he has some association with that website. Definitely. Um, he also says that the Forensic Files show is a one-sided show for, inter- for entertainment, not fact-based. They left out all exculpatory evidence of my innocence. Roxanne and I were happily married for seven years and getting our home ready for children. It was an accidental fire and Roxanne died while trying to rescue her cats. The actual evidence can be found at you know www.durnmurdertrial.com. After 10 and here's another comment of him uh, from him After 10 years in prison I have moved on and remarried to a strong woman Janine who watched the forensic files episode twice in our early dating and could easily tell that I am nothing like the portrayal in the show I'm a kind gentle f- forgiving soul Janine describes me often as the best husband in the world it's her third husband we've been married for 9 years now So I think you know <laughs>
0: That's an interesting, that's an interesting comment.
1: I think it's a very interesting case. And obviously, you know, we love forensic files, but it is true that they don't cover all of the information. And I think this is one episode where I'm kind of like, hmm.
0: Definitely Hmm." a lot untold.
1: Yeah, maybe he is innocent. Maybe, you know, this was all just a terrible, terrible accident. So let us know what you think on our Instagram. Um, Tell us any theories that you might have. Let us know if you've investigated this case before. Um, And like I said, please, please, please do not harass this man. Um, And that's all I have for you today.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I hope you liked this episode. And we can't wait to see you next week on Tuesday.
0: Next Tuesday, tune in.
1: All right, bye.